Perhaps the title this morning will catch your interest, Lust and Pride Glorified. Of course, we're not seeking to glorify these things, but you'll see what I mean as we go along this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, familiar passage to many, one that we touched on as we were going through our 1 John series at the beginning of the year, but I want to emphasize these three verses 15, 16, and 17 this morning, as we look at this idea of lust and pride glorified. 1 John 2, 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes comes natural to our sin nature, but is very dangerous. Lust can be defined simply as a longing for something forbidden or sinful. James 1, 14 through 15 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, when it grabs a hold of you or you grab a hold of it, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about the sin of those in the Old Testament, specifically Israel and some of the things that they went after, and it says in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 10, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. You see, the flesh, that sin nature we're all born with, wants to do what it wants to do. And it's very strong, isn't it? And often what it wants to do is to glorify itself. But I'm thankful this morning, and I want to praise the Lord, and I know you can as well, that through Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, with His Spirit living within us, we can overcome the flesh and its lusts day by day, if we're willing to submit to Him. In 2 Peter 1.4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Can I say that often when you look up the world in the Bible, if you, if you type in and search the world, you often find lust somewhere close by. So what I'm saying is this, when we trust Christ as our Savior, He helps us escape that corruption that's in the world through lust. And in Galatians 5.16, as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God within us, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, to overcome that lust, that flesh that's so prevalent in the world because the world is full of sinners, to overcome that prevalent lust and desire for that which is wrong and longing to do that which is against God or sinful, which we all have within our sin nature, we have to submit ourselves, first of all, to, uh, unto obedience to the gospel of Christ, but then also in obedience to his word and yielded to his spirit within us. Otherwise, it won't happen. And and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. 
We have to be willing to be filled with the Spirit more than we're filled with ourselves. For the natural outflow of someone not willing to submit but to rebel or not willing to yield themselves to God is a glorification of lust and pride. The Lord Jesus Christ, who came to earth 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for all of our sin. No matter who you are or what sin you commit. For we all sin and come short of the glory of God. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but he rose from the dead three days later, proving that he is the Son of God and he has the power to save from sin and death. But each person must acknowledge their sin, believe in the Savior Jesus, and call upon him to forgive and save. Then and only then will a person have the power to overcome the flesh and pride that so easily consumes and destroys. So the question for you or anyone watching this morning or listening later is this. Are you saved? Have you been born again through faith in Jesus Christ alone? Have you submitted yourself to the gospel of Christ? Meaning you've believed in the fact that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day and you've called upon him to save you and to come into your life? That's the message of hope. That's what can overcome what so naturally we're consumed with in this world. Considering lust and pride glorified, the lust of the flesh draws us to that which we feel will satisfy us, but ultimately becomes sin to us. The lust of the eyes causes us to focus on that which is not good for us or not meant for us, nor glorifying to the God who created us. And when we think of lust, it's not just lusting after something that's not good for us or that's not good unto God, but also something that's not meant for us that God doesn't want for you. In and of itself, it may not be wrong or wicked or ungodly, but if it's not meant for you, you shouldn't be lusting after it. The looking of the eyes always leads to the outflow of the life. Careful what you look at. Right? There's an old song, oh, be careful of the lies, what you see. Because if you stare at it long enough, you're going to internalize it. And when you internalize it and it gets in your heart, it comes out in your life. So we see the, the lust of the, the flesh and the lust of the eyes. We see how often it can be glorified. It's natural to us, but as it's one of those things in the world, it's natural to see that in the world. It's no wonder we see a whole month given to that. But realize no Christian should ever support that. Often Christians do just to, to fit in or to not seem like they're against something. When, by the way, a Christian ought to be against sin. Regardless of what it is. But it tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You say, what's in the world? It tells us, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life is a pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Anything we would consider worldly can be boiled down to these three things in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So God, through John, equates the fact that if we have a strong affection for the world, we have a weak affection for God, and vice versa. Because they're contrary one to the other. Then we come to the, to the pride of life. The pride of life. 
Pride puts the focus on the person who has it. Self-promotion is man's pattern, which is rooted in pride. Because of pride, God no longer becomes a priority. You ever realize when you put yourself first, God is no longer first. When you focus on pleasing yourself, you're not focused anymore on pleasing God. But when you please God, it's amazing, you can also find joy and peace and pleasure in your life. But we read a couple of verses that, that tell us this. In Psalm 10, verse 4, it says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not, an, uh, God is not in all his thoughts. Why? Because his thoughts are filled with himself. The pride of life, very damaging. Pride keeps people out of heaven, sends them to hell. Well, I don't need to be saved. I'm a good person. Well, I don't need a savior. I can do it myself. Pride keeps people out of heaven. Pride causes people to think themselves better than others. Pride uh, often hinders people from serving God because they don't want to serve unless they're leading or whatever the case may be. Pride hinders. Psalm 138, verse 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet he has respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Man, if you're so filled with yourself, or you think yourself more than you ought, or you put yourself on a pedestal, or you're the only one in your thoughts, God's afar off. Who's he nigh to? The lowly. Not necessarily poor and weak and thinks themselves dirt, but the one who recognizes who they are before God. The one who has a right estimation of themselves. The one who is concerned with God and others above themselves. And I know that goes against our nature. And as I've said it many times, probably within the last month, you say it's, it's, it's not a natural thing to be humble and to think of God and others first, but it's a supernatural thing. And with the Spirit of God within us, He can help us. When man's pride is involved, when man's pride is involved, whether that involves putting themselves forward or putting sin forward or glorifying that which is against God, when man's pride is involved, God's priorities are diminished. And the Bible is clear all through it that pride brings devastating results. Let me read you some verses. Just listen. Don't zone out on me this morning. If you're not reading in the Bible, keep your head up and just pay attention this morning because this is important. Pride can destroy. Let me rephrase that. Pride will destroy. Psalm 31, 32 says, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. And not in a good way. Psalm 119, verse 21 says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from my commandments. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. There's often that um, opposing humility and pride going on in the Proverbs verses. Proverbs 13.10, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 16.15, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. In Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, 
but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. The more you puff out your chest and say, hey, I can do it all. I don't need God. And uh, uh, man, I'm better than everybody else around me. The more you're going to sink and sink and sink. And often people wonder, man, why does it keep happening? It's because of pride. James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. I'm so thankful that God will give us grace, what we don't deserve and what we don't have in and of ourselves, if we just simply humble ourselves before him. But those who are proud get the resistance of God. And let me remind you, God's almighty. So you're not going to fight against it. You're going to lose against it. You see, pride comes in many forms. It can be in the heart, but it can also be revealed in the life. Some may, on the outward, may not seem proud, but in their hearts, there's pride, there's, pride, there's rebellion, there's resistance against God in anything that would diminish you. But can I remind you, like John the Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Sometimes we get it backwards. I must increase, but he must decrease. No, no, no. Uh, you want Christ increasing in your life. And you'll find joy and peace and comfort knowing he's forward and you're backward. Rather than trying to put yourself forward and realize you're taking a whole lot of steps backward. Pride is thinking you are more than you are. Believing you are better than someone else. Or being confident of yourself without the need for God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are things in the world that are priority to the world system and to sinners in general. For all that is in the world, verse 16 says, just think about that. For all that is in the world, what things? The lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's not of God. It's not of God, it's of the flesh, from our sin nature, it's of the world. Notice in our text, though, in verse number 17, about these things in the world, it says, in verse number 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth. Forever, We notice that these things in the world will pass away. Those things that are often glorified are quickly gone. They are not lasting. They are limited. Lust and pride are fleeting. Even as we uh, uh, manifest lust and pride in our own lives, we understand that it's fleeting. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. It doesn't really lift you up to the place that... that uh, you feel you should be. It's only passing, and in fact, in general, we know they will be passing. And can I say, so much time and effort is spent on things that destroy and that will eventually be destroyed. So many people put so much emphasis, unbelievers and Christians alike, on things that will be destroyed and things that uh, destroy you. And it takes your life from you. And often your service and testimony for God. But opposite of the brief and destructive nature of lust and pride is the last, lasting nature 
of those who do the will of God. For they abide forever. Notice verse 17, the world passeth away and the lust thereof. While we're spending so much time on that which is going to pass away and that which does pass away, uh, we ought to focus on that which will abide forever. What will abide forever? Those that do the will of God. Because the will of God abides forever. The will of God includes, of course, salvation. That's part of the will of God is that we're saved. Through faith in Jesus Christ, a person will live forever. In the presence of God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a blessing. We will live forever because of Christ. That's part of the will of God. Part of the will of God is also our obedience to him. A number of things God specifically says in the Bible, this is the will of God. And there's other things as he leads us by his spirit in conjunction with the word of God. We can be confident it's the will of God specifically for us with our gifts and abilities and resources. As a believer lives according to the Bible, he is following that which will continue on. That's why he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt like as it will pass away. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor, nor, nor rust doth corrupt um, because when we lay up those treasures in heaven, when we do things in the will of God and for the will of God, those things will last forever. Matthew 23, 35 says about the word of God and how it's so important as we fulfill the will of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Though lust and pride are glorified often in the world, the Christian understands that they are to be rejected, not rejoiced in. For that which lasts, the will of God, his salvation, his word, his mission, ought to be believed, embraced, and promoted. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In context, as I read this passage in 1 John 2, and many of you will remember, before that he's saying he's writing under different categories of believers. And so this is written... Uh, for the young, this is written for the old, this is written for the new believer, this is written for the mature believer. This is crucial to understand. In fact, go back to verse number 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth Forever, and, he, and the, the point is this, it doesn't matter uh, 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 what stage you are in your Christian life, whether you just got saved, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for a while, it doesn't matter if, if you're a strong, mature believer that knows the Bible, you need to understand this truth about the world. And you need to realize what needs to be glorified, what needs to be emphasized, what needs to be pursued after, and it's the will of God. 
It's to please the Father. It's not of these things in the world. Let's make it personal today. And I don't know where you're at in your heart, certainly. I don't know that. For anyone that's watching live stream, I, I don't know what folks are thinking or dealing with in their life and, and what we're dealing with today. But if, if you're letting the lust of your flesh and eyes, and that may be something someone else doesn't see, but you, you know. You know. If you're letting the lust of your flesh and eyes or the pride of life lead you in this life, in other words, you're just following wherever that leads, wherever your pride leads, whatever will inflate your head, whatever will make you feel better about how awesome you are, whatever will put your will before God's, whatever makes you happy. If you're putting that pride of life before anything else God would have you to do, then you need to turn from that this morning and put that aside. If you're letting the, the lust of your flesh and eyes dictate what you will do, it's time to deny the flesh and walk in the Spirit. If you're supporting such worldliness at, that promotes lust and pride, it's time to withdraw your support. Amen? If your daily focus is on those things that are going to pass away, then you must refocus on that which abideth forever. If you are engulfed in yourself, the Lord is diminished, and he will not have it that way. Confess your pride and place the Lord as your top priority. Keep your love fixed on your heavenly Father and not on the world. The world will change from year to year, generation to generation, but I guarantee you on the authority of Scripture, you'll find in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life creeping its way through everything and being lifted up. Today we see it being glorified emphasized, prioritized. We see it being lifted up before us and, and not just presented, but even pushed to the point where we need to say, I'm not supporting that. I'm not watching that. I'm not going to give a good word for that. If you do not know what will happen to you when you die, you can know today. If you desire to have a relationship with the eternal God of heaven, where he's leading and not you leading, you must admit your sin before a holy God, believe in Jesus, and call out to him to save you. Lust and pride glorified. That's the world's way. God's way is love the Lord, do his will.